BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, Sean Hannity here, and there's so much happening around our country. Crimes happening in your own backyard. Listen to the story of Bob Brayton. Now, Bob was at home when an intruder physically forced his way inside. Now, luckily, Bob was able to grab his burner, and he used it to backpedal the man right outside and off of his property. Now, it's legal in all 50 states. No background checks required. They ship it right to your door. Go to burner, B-Y-R-N-A dot com slash Hannity. And if you do that now, you get an exclusive 10% discount. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. You know, attention to detail is critical when you own your own business, so use LegalZoom.com for the legal details. Now, their network of independent attorneys licensed in 48 states, well, they know local laws and can provide answers to your legal questions. LegalZoom.com is not a law firm, so you won't pay by the hour. Just use Hannity One when you check out and save even more. LegalZoom.com. All right, we made it. Happy Friday to each and to every one of you, and we're glad you're on board. Write down our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of this extravaganza, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Um, you're going to meet a father. His name is Steve Rowenbeck, uh, Ronnebeck, and his son was killed at the age of 21. His son's name is Grant, and he was killed in this particular case by a illegal immigrant criminal a guy that had been convicted of literally sexually assaulting a woman and keeping her prisoner for over a week. And how is it possible that this guy was let out? And when are they going to stop this madness? And whatever happened to Kate's law? Well, now this is an issue of Grant's law. And why can't these Washington politicians get off their backsides and do something about a problem that's so simply fixed? You have illegal immigrant you know, rapists and murderers that are being let free by ICE again and again and again because, quote, they have the discretion under Obama's orders to do so. We'll also be joined by Congressman Matt Salmon today. Uh, a lot of new information on Hillary's server we'll get into in just a second. Judge Janine will stop by. And, of course, our news roundup and information overload coming up today. You know, uh, you know, one day it's <clears throat> it's the Hillary private server scandal the unsecured email server. The next day, it's foreign governments giving to the Clinton Foundation. The day after that, Bill Clinton, we find out, 
after all the talk about Trump University, that Bill Clinton was the chancellor of Laureate International Universities, and they got $16.5 million over four years, meaning the Clintons. And while Hillary was Secretary of State, she funneled uh, $55 million of State Department dollars, tax dollars, to this very university. If that's not a quid pro quo, if that's not pay to play, I don't know what is to enrich themselves. It is corruption at the highest level. Our friends at Breitbart did a great investigation on this. Now it's today. You got another major Clinton Foundation donor was placed on a sensitive government intelligence advisory board, even though he had no obvious experience in the field. And B, it's a decision that appeared to baffle the State Department's professional staff. Oh, Clinton Foundation donor. Of course, he needs all this personal information. Think about what we learned in just a week as it relates to the Clintons and their corruption and the whole server scandal. Think about this. We learned a CIA, CIA operatives were identified. We learned that that the emails also dealt with planned drone strikes against American enemies. Finally, this week, the the Obama White House was forced to acknowledge what is so obvious that, yeah, Hillary is facing a criminal investigation. We see what's happening with Brian Pagliano. He has an immunity agreement. Some type of proffer deal has been reached. You don't get an immunity deal unless you believe that there's some underlying crime that they have evidence would probably convict you and that you're not assisting investigators in getting to the bottom of crimes that are committed. So all of this is happening now. And then on top of all of this, now we find out on top of CIA agents being identified. Do you know what that does? That puts every one of these people's lives in jeopardy. They can die. That was the whole issue involving Valerie Plame. And she wasn't even a covert operative in any way, shape, matter, or form. And that's what's going on here. Anyway, so the Clinton Foundation donor was placed on the sensitive government intelligence advisory board, had no background, no experience. Nobody at the State Department understood it. And just another week in the life of the scandal-plagued Hillary campaign for president. The backstory to this is, you know, to the latest ethical lapse, the growing scandal to Hillary Clinton. You have copies of dozens of internal emails. Remember, these emails were, you know, they had sensitive information, CIA operatives' identities. You had literally satellite imaging of North Korea's nuclear sites. You had top secret emails. You had above top secret security clearance emails with special access program uh, uh, classification in some of these instances. So anyway, copies of dozens of these emails finally were provided to ABC News by a conservative political group called Citizens United. Remember them? They obtained them under the Freedom of Information Act after more than two years of litigation, of course, with the government. And according to ABC News, you have this guy, Rajiv Fernando, apparently a prolific fundraiser for Democratic candidates, big contributor to the Clinton Foundation, later traveled with Bill Clinton on a trip to Africa. He earned a seat on this International Security Advisory Board. Pay to play? What does that sound like to you? Now, why would this matter? Why would you ask? Anyway, because Fernando has zero qualifications to be on the board. According to ABC, the Chicago securities trader, securities trader, he specializes in electronic investing. Anyway, he sat alongside an August collection of nuclear scientists, former cabinet secretaries, members of Congress for the purpose of advising Hillary Clinton 
on the use of tactical nuclear weapons and on other crucial arm control, arms control issues. We had no idea who he was, one board member told ABC News. Anyway, the released emails reveal that after ABC News started asking questions in August of 2011, a State Department official who worked with the advisory board couldn't immediately come up with a justification for Fernando serving on the panel. And his and his other emails make repeated references to, quote, S, a common way to refer to the Secretary of State. Quote, the true answer is simply that S staff, Cheryl Mills, added him, wrote Wade Bowes, who was uh, chief of staff for the Office of Undersecretary of State for Arms Control and International Security. In an email to a press aide, Raj was not on the list sent to Clinton. He was added at their insistence. Now, it's, it's pretty unbelievable. Now, Mills is a former deputy White House counsel serving as Clinton's chief of staff at the time, longtime legal political advisor, one of the closest people to Hillary Clinton. Once ABC News was back on the trail and closing in, well, then State Department press officials, they were instructed to, quote, stall. Sound familiar? All at the request of Cheryl Mills. Now, worried that they were about to be outed, the State Department then announced Fernando's abrupt decision to step down. And the statement read, quote, Mr. Fernando chose to resign from the board citing additional time needed to devote to his business. Yeah, right. And maybe to spend more time with the family. That's the usual excuse that we get. Anyway, Fernando's resignation came just a few days after ABC News made an inquiry. James Woolsey, who served on the panel from 2006 to 2009 and was Bill Clinton's CIA director, said the board's primary purpose was to gather an array of experts on nuclear weapons and arms control to constantly assess and update the nation's nuclear strategy. Quote, most things that involve nuclear weapons and nuclear strategy are dealt with at a pretty sensitive basis. Top secret, he said, noting that participants meet in a secure facility and are restricted in what materials they can discuss. Now, if you're wondering what might have qualified Fernando to serve on this sensitive board, well, the numbers tell the tale. Well, Fernando, ABC reports that Fernando's history of campaign giving dated back to at least 2003. It was fairly prolific and almost exclusively to Democrats. He was an early supporter of Hillary Clinton's 08 bid for the presidency, giving the maximum contributions to her campaign. Also to Hill Pack in 2007 and 2008. He also served as a fundraising bundler for Clinton, gathering more than $100,000 from others for the White House, for her bid for the White House. After Obama beat her in 2008, then Fernando became a major fundraiser for the Obama campaign. And prior to his State Department appointment, Fernando was given between $100,000 and $250,000 to William J. Clinton and his foundation, and another $30,000 to a political advocacy group, Women Count, that directly helped Hillary Clinton retire her lingering 2008 campaign debts by renting her email campaign email list out. And he emerged as one of the first, quote, bundlers to raise money for her latest bid for the White House. And in July of 2015, he hosted a fundraiser for Clinton at his Chicago home. And Fernando has also continued to donate to the Clinton Foundation. He's now listed on the charity's website as having given between one and five million dollars. One other qualification. This summer, he's going to serve as a superdelegate to the DNC. Now, if all of this doesn't stink to high heaven. 
Just another example of the Clintons corrupt, enriching themselves, the the incestuous relationship as Hillary Clinton during her tenure as Secretary of State and the Clinton Foundation, basically a slush fund for Bill and Hillary Clinton. You know, it's a brazen quid pro quo. Any of you listening to this program, if you did anything like this, anything, I promise you, you'd be in jail. You take in this case an unqualified individual appointed to a sensitive national security post simply because he's basically a sugar daddy for Bill and Hillary Clinton. It's only the latest chapter. How is it that the State Department funnels $55 million to Laureate University and Bill Clinton gets $16.5 million of it kicked back to him? And by the way, many students feel ripped off. And even countries have, have taken away its accreditation and investigated Laureate University. And they want to tell us about Trump University, where you got a 98% excellent rating from the students that attended. The media just is so so corrupt and biased, abusively so. Anyway, it's the same book, same scandals, different day. It's always about ethical wrongdoing. It's always about corruption. It's always about financial favors. It's always a shady deal here, a shady deal there. It's always about delaying and obfuscating and manipulating and public lies. And it's Bill and Hillary breaking all the rules because they don't think rules apply to them. Now, the facts, the circumstances change, the names change, but it's the same disgusting, ugly story. And it's now played out for 25 plus years as it relates to the Clintons. It is who they are. It is what they do. And it is what will continue if she's elected president. It's almost impossible to keep up with all of this. And I know that's not the biggest story that people are going to pay attention to in this election year. I know what people want. They want to know, am I going to get out of the back in the labor force that I I and 95 million other Americans are are out of? Am I going to be one of the 50 million Americans that gets out of poverty? Am I going to be one of the 46 million Americans that gets off of food stamps? Am I going to be able to pay my mortgage and not lose my house? Am I going to be able to pay my rent? Am I going to be able to buy a decent car? Am I going to live in a safe enough neighborhood for my kids? Am I going to be able to start a retirement account or, or a college fund account for my kids? I know that's what the election's about, but you cannot deny I've never seen politicians at this deep level continually lying and corrupting and selling their their access. It goes back to renting out the Lincoln bedroom with these people. It just never ends. It is so deep. It is so fundamentally corrupt. How do you make 50 plus million dollars in speeches in two years and you give it to banks And you give it to insurance companies and you give it to big Wall Street firms like Goldman Sachs. And then, of course, you don't release any of the transcripts because as you were in there pandering and winking and nodding and promising favor. Well, of course, you know, you can't let that transcript out. Can't let people know how you really feel. How do you take money from countries like Saudi Arabia, Oman and, and, and the UAE and other countries that have abysmal human rights records where women are treated worse than second-class citizens. Women are stoned to death for rape that they're victims of, or gays thrown off the top of buildings, or women told what to wear, or women can't drive, or women have to you know, have a male relative's approval to go to work or school, and they can't leave the house without a male relative. You have the morality police searching them out if they dare go on a date with somebody, or if they're not wearing the proper clothing. 
and then the lashes that they receive. How do you take money from countries like this and then claim that you are a champion of women's rights? The hypocrisy is breathtaking, but it is every single day and it never stops. It never goes away. And most people kind of just roll their eyes because it's another Clinton scandal. It's another Obama scandal. It's another obfuscation. You know, I don't know what's going to happen with this email server scandal. This might be finally the straw that breaks the camel's back. Seemed the one guy in the past that was willing to go after the Clintons. The only one guy was Comey. He is the the FBI primary is going to be key here. Is he going to? put forth a criminal referral against Hillary Clinton. And if he does, will Loretta Lynch and the Obama Justice Department act? I predict they would not act. And if they don't act, what is the fallout from that? Do people even care? Because if you don't care and you get four more years of Obama, you watch your country disintegrate because it'll be that bad. You know, attention to detail is critical when you own your own business. That's why you need to use LegalZoom.com. Now, they take care of all the legal details so you can focus on growing your business. Now, you already know that LegalZoom is a great way to start your business, and they've helped over 1 million people get up and started the right way. But there's more to running your business than getting started. Supplier and customer contracts come with the territory. And if you need to hire help, well, every state has its own employment laws. So don't spend your valuable time researching laws and reading small print Let the experts at LegalZoom.com handle this. Now, they have a network of independent attorneys licensed in 48 states who know your local laws and regulations. They'll provide the best legal answers for your day-to-day questions. And the best part is you don't pay by the hour since LegalZoom is not a law firm. Instead, you pay a low monthly fee. You know exactly what you're getting up front. Go to LegalZoom.com today and spend your time growing your business instead of worrying about the legal details. Just use Hannity One when you check out and save even more. LegalZoom.com. So when a career prosecutor or an FBI agent who's working on the Clinton investigation hears this president speak openly of how he wants Hillary Clinton to succeed him, Mm -hmm. you don't think that that career prosecutor or that FBI agent takes that as some indication of how the president wants to see this case resolved? Uh, No. I think that those career prosecutors understand that they have a job to do, and that that job that they are supposed to do, which is to follow the facts, to pursue the evidence uh, to a logical conclusion, that that is a job that they are responsible for doing without any sort of political interference. And the president expects them to do that job. And look, this is the reason that we actually ask career federal prosecutors to take the lead on these kinds of matters. They're the ones who conduct this investigation. They are not, they don't have political jobs. They have career jobs as law enforcement officers and as prosecutors and as investigators. And that's, uh, that's what their responsibility is. And that's why the president, when discussing this issue at, at, in each stage, uh, has reiterated his commitment to this principle that any criminal investigation should be conducted in the, uh, independent of any sort of political interference. To your knowledge, has President Obama ever discussed the Department of Justice investigation with Mrs. Clinton? He has not. All right, that was uh, propagandist Josh Earnest. A lot happening this week as it relates to the Hillary Clinton email scandal. For example, we learned this week that CIA operatives were identified in many of these emails. We had not previously known that. We know the emails in the Clinton probe also dealt with planned drone strikes again a direct threat to our national security and a compromising of our national security. That's on top of what we already knew, 
which, of course, we had satellite imaging of North Korea's nuclear program on Hillary's emails. We also know that we had top secret information on those emails and even beyond top secret special access programs uh, uh, classification, which is above top secret on these emails. Now, the issue came up this week when the president endorsed Hillary Clinton to be his successor. And Josh Earnest said that the endorsement will not impact the FBI investigation into the former secretary of state's use of a private email server. Then it got even more interesting. Within an hour of Barack Obama's hostage endorsement video that he released of Hillary Clinton, Josh Earnest then acknowledged that, in fact, she does face and is facing a criminal investigation, something they have denied up to this point. Now, that sent Republicans now going to reporters and saying even now they finally admit it. Now, Clinton faces the possibility of prosecution for housing these classified documents on a private email server. And she used this homebrew setup for all of her emails, including sensitive government matters, when she was secretary of state. Now, Josh Ernest insists the endorsement should not be interpreted inside the FBI as a signal to let her off the hook. Well, what other way could it possibly be interpreted? Let's be honest here. Anyway, here to look at the legal side of all of this is my friend and colleague, Judge Janine Pirro. She, of course, hosts her own show on the weekend on the Fox News Channel and has been studying this issue backwards and forwards now for many, many months and uh, probably knows more than anybody else I know. How are you? I'm terrific. How are you? You, I'm good. You have a, a very, very interesting theory about why Obama it keeps sending these signals. In other words, look, he's supposed to be a constitutional attorney, but without the facts, he weighed in on the Cambridge police acting stupidly. He weighed in on Ferguson without any evidence or facts or testimony given in that case. He did the same thing with Trayvon Martin and, and the case with George Zimmerman down in Florida. But very specifically here in an interview he did with 60 Minutes and he said, oh, she didn't do anything wrong or what he's saying by endorsing her. He's doing it, you believe, for a very specific reason. Why? Uh, Hey, Sean, it's great to be with you. Uh, What I think is going on here is that uh, the president is endorsing uh, Hillary Clinton irrespective of this pending criminal investigation, although she'd love to call it a security inquiry. And now with Josh Earnest. Uh, admitting that it is a criminal investigation, and obviously Jim Comey, the head of the FBI, saying that's exactly what it is, and a minimum of 80, if not more, FBI agents on this investigation. Uh, when the president does that, my my this is my theory. Number one, uh, you don't endorse someone who is under criminal investigation. A, a, a presidential nominee or a presumed presidential nominee of a major party who is the subject of an active FBI investigation. By the way, do we know uh, has, if she's we've the, never had one in this country? Do we but know if she's a target? What? Do we know if she's a target? Uh, well, I don't know who they're looking at. If they're not looking at her and her emails, they're not looking at anyone other than that trio of Uma, Cheryl Mills, Brian Pagliano, who set up the server and who gave the Department of Justice enough information that they were willing to give him immunity. And let me explain to your listeners. I mean, I've been a prosecutor, judge, a DA for 30 years. You do not give someone immunity unless they give you something that indicates that a crime has occurred and that they were a part of it. Get it? So... If this guy Pagliano was not involved in criminal activity, there would be no reason to give him immunity. And I'm not going to peel the onion back a million ways, but what I'll tell you is this. 
it is all there. It's about Hillary and her confidence in saying nothing will happen. There will be no indictment. And the president uh, endorsing her tells me that there will be no indictment because when Hillary made this statement, Sean, Everybody knew about my uh, email situation. Everyone was aware of what was going on. That told me that she had not only what I was already aware of, sent emails to the president himself on this private server and the Clinton email, but that he responded to her as well. And if that is the case, then he is complicit. He would be called as a witness in her criminal case were she to be indicted. And we cannot afford to have that happen. That's what they would say. And have a constitutional crisis with the president of the United States and a secretary of state engaging in communications on unsecured servers that involve information, as you so accurately stated, you know, at the outset, CIA operatives identified planned drone strike satellite imaging, top secret, beyond top secret. And so the only way to keep this out of the public eye and to make sure nothing happens is to not only get her elected president, according to the you know Obama way of thinking, but to shut down any possibility of indictment. And he does that through Loretta Lynch. Every single person that knows James Comey that I have talked to or interviewed on this topic says he's a man of incredible integrity. We all know the story that he threatened to resign when George Bush was was president uh, because of an issue involving John Ashcroft. And and I don't remember the specific issue off the top of my head and Alberto Gonzalez. And there was a race to John Ashcroft's bed in the hospital. uh, Yeah, in the hospital. And and he was willing to resign. And Bush had not apparently known about the specifics of the extension of the program. And when told about it by Comey said, no, that's no problem. We'll fix it. Yeah. And and look, I know Jim Comey. I worked with Jim Comey. Uh, He was the United States attorney in the Southern District of New York when I was a sitting D.A. We both had offices in White Plains. I mean, he is an honorable, uh, brilliant, uh, logical thinking honest guy. This is a guy, he is a patriot, this guy. Jim Comey is someone who believes in the Constitution. He believes in what's right. He is an ethical guy. Are you saying he's not feeling the weight of this presidential election season? You know why, Sean? Because he serves a 10-year term. Look, Obama may have appointed him, but Obama can't take him out. The bottom line is he's going to serve the next president or two for the next 10 years. He doesn't or, or he makes a Obama. criminal referral and it's ignored by the Justice Department. Then what does he do? Therein lies the rub. And that's the issue. Will there be a Saturday night massacre where people start resigning or will Jim Comey? And if I were advising him, I would say this. All right, you can leak it. I've got no problem with your leaking it, or your FBI agents are probably going to leak it. I mean, I don't like any leaks at all. But I think that if they were going to do that, Comey is still there for the next president. And if the next president is Trump and not Hillary Clinton, he can reopen that case because the statute of limitations has not run. And then uh, Trump can put in an attorney general who should give access to the grand jury. And, and by the way, Jim Comey is not just a cop. 
you know, the head of the FBI is law enforcement. Jim Comey is a former deputy attorney general of the United States. I mean, this is a guy who has handled public corruption, handled pay to play, handled these kinds of cases. And this, Sean, is the epitome of corruption. Then why is it? Ta- then why? I know they had to somehow restore the, the 33,000 deleted emails. But why is this taking so long? You know why? It's taking so long because now they're into the Clinton investi- the Clinton Foundation. Look, why was the so, email... Wait, wait. So you're, uh, wait, you're th- saying that you, you think the, the original part of the investigation, which in, entailed why did she have a private email server in, the, in a mom-and-pop shop bathroom that was set up by Brian Pagliano, who now has an immunity deal... And and signed a proffer agreement with the prosecutors in this case. He may end up being the John Dean in this particular story. You, you know, so you're saying that that investigation has to be over at this point, And now they've found potential other law breaking yeah. as it relates to the Clinton Foundation. Yeah, yeah I really would... believe the email investigation is over. And, you know, if my if if what I believe to be the case. Uh, that they cannot allow this to go forward because we'll be in a constitutional crisis because she will call the president of the United States. And she has already signaled that. But even, you know, even more than that, I am looking at the Clinton Foundation and have been for a long time. And I got to tell you, they've got more amendments, uh, amended tax returns, 2010, 11, 12, 13, and all of the subsidiaries. Look, you start a foundation in 97, Sean, and it's supposed to be some kind of, you know, uh, presidential library thing. It goes from that to a couple that's dead broke uh, to a $2 billion operation. And we have no idea where the money's coming or going, but what we do know is that almost 80% of it is going to expenses, first-class air, salaries for Clinton uh, employees, uh, Clinton uh, uh, political operatives. I mean, this is a worldwide charity fraud that is operating as a 501c3. And when you think about the conservatives who tried to get their little 501c3 being, being you know, crucified a tea party by group Lois or a patriot group, right. And, and these people are operating it in a, in a multi-billion dollar operation that is controlled by many states, the federal government, and many foreign governments. What you see is corruption and a pay-to-play on a world level where Bill Clinton, and I haven't even, I haven't even broached the laureate education piece that is just coming out now. $55 million from the State Department when Hillary was there, and he got paid $16 million of it. That sounds like a kick back to me. Uh yeah, and that 16 million I believe was in a during a period during a 4-year period. How much other business did she do as Secretary of State while these two enriched themselves while she was a United States Senator and the Secretary uh, right. of State? So let me ask you because we're running out of time and you have so much knowledge here. How does this all play out and give me a timeline? Give me a time frame. Well, I I think that uh we're going to see something rear its head before the convention uh and I don't know if it'll be a decision by the Department of Justice or if it'll be a leak because there isn't anything that's coming out. Look, if they're going to make any changes here and they know it, it's got to be before the convention if they're going to stick a Joe Biden in there. Uh, but she is already, look, she was so smug, Sean, so arrogant, so con- I am absolutely certain. Well, wait a minute. You had 60,000 emails a on a did private you interpret- server. 
did you interpret that that maybe she knows something we don't know? We we have yeah. learned in the past that her lawyer talks to the Justice Department every day. Well, yeah, that the fix is in. That's what she knows. The fix is in. She's got the goods on Obama. She's telling Obama if you don't if you don't want to be uh, uh, incriminated in this thing, you better tell Loretta there not to open up a grand jury for Jim Comey. And I hope that Jim Comey hangs on to everything he's got. But the American people need to understand that we cannot allow these people to parlay all kinds of money under the guise of a charitable organization and just enrich themselves so that they have money and power. It's wrong. I got to tell you, the whole thing, it just stinks to high heaven. And I don't think people really fully, completely understand the magnitude and the depths and the level. I mean, the amount of money these people made in such a short period of time and, uh, and you know, even the buying of silence, taking money from countries like the UAE and Oman and, and Saudi Arabia, never criticizing their horrible treatment of women and, and other minorities. Uh, it's it's pretty breathtaking and it's yeah, pretty the, wide the in its scope. The whole idea that you would take money from countries where women are stoned to death for adultery, gays are thrown out of buildings, and you're such a liberal and you know a human rights activist uh you know it, it is it it's is the height and not say anything either they bought her silence but i got a roll okay uh judge janine we'll see you this weekend on fox uh nine o'clock saturday nine o'clock sunday thank you thank you sean bye all right grant was uh boy he was just my buddy from the minute he was born he just brightened everybody my family my friends he uh he was everything. My ex-wife had called me and said, have you heard from Grant? I was like, no, he's at work. She said, well, something happened at that QT. You might want to get a hold of him. I called. He wouldn't answer his phone. I uh, called the store. Nobody answered the phone. Apollinar Altamirano had come in and wanted to buy cigarettes. Altamirano then pulled a gun and pointed at Grant. Grant immediately offered up the cigarettes. And Altamirano then shot him point blank in the face. My son's death was completely preventable. Apollinar Altamirano had been in the country illegally since he was 14. He was a self-proclaimed member of the Sinaloa drug cartel and the Mexican mafia. He had previously been arrested for sexually assaulting a woman, breaking into her house and sexually assaulting her and holding her captive for a week. And he was able to plead it down to felony burglary. Apollinar Altamirano was on day 492 of his bond. He should have been deported shortly after he was off of probation, if not sooner. So the system that uh, was instilled by Obama's executive action caused the, the lag in the deportation hearing and basically wasn't even scheduled. All right, what you just heard there was Steve Ronnebeck talking about his son Grant, 21 years old, resident of Mesa, Arizona, worked as a clerk at a quick trip, was on duty in the early morning in January of 2015, at 4 a.m., a convicted felon, you just heard, a guy that had sexually assaulted a woman breaking into her house, holding the woman hostage for a week. Anyway, a convicted felon, illegal immigrant, was released by the Immigration and Custom Enforcement Agency, ICE, on just a $10,000 bond. He entered the store and he murdered 21-year-old Grant Ronnebeck. 
and shooting him in the face. Why? Because he didn't move quickly enough for him to get his cigarettes that he was demanding for free. Now, the problem here is under current law, the U.S., the Department of Homeland Security, is free under Obama's rulings to release dangerous criminals right back onto American streets while they, quote, await deportation hearings, which they're never going to show up to. And the DHS has discretion to impose bail or bond requirements or mandate continued detention until those proceedings are held. And under President Obama, the department now has opted to release thousands of illegal aliens onto the streets, many of whom have gone on to commit murders against Americans, some 121 murders between 2010 and 2014 alone. Now, Congressman Matt Salmon of Arizona has introduced Grant's law. It's called H.R. 2942, and that would amend existing law to mandate the detention of all illegal aliens convicted of crimes and make them ineligible for entrance into the country under current immigration law. Now, should this become law, those arrested or convicted for any type of crime would be detained by ICE and deported in no more than 90 days. Anyway, joining us now is Congressman Matt Salmon and Steve Ronnebeck, whose son Grant was killed. Uh, Mr. Ronnebeck, I, I, I tell you, it is heartbreaking to hear you tell the story about what happened to your son and how preventable this could have been. Thank you, son. I, I mean, by all accounts, here's a here's a kid, 21 years old, working hard overnight. Uh, you know, tell us more about your son. Well, you know, Grant, Grant was just a great kid. He, uh, he, you know, when he passed, we didn't really know how many people he had affected, you know, through his job. But, you know, we got thousands of messages from people that, you know, your son talked to me every morning. Your son was, you know, I'd have a bad day and just seeing your son smile would, would make my day better. He was he was just that type of kid. Well, you know, isn't it amazing? Sometimes you have no idea. Like I listen to people talk about my kids sometimes. And I'm saying, is that the same person I know? And and you find out that you did the right thing, that you raised a great kid, that people loved him and, and he impacted the lives of many people. Um, how angry are you when you found out that this guy had committed this sexual assault, held this woman hostage for a week? and had been let free by our own government? Because I would be, oh, I, I don't know if I'd ever overcome that. Well, and, and I haven't, and, and that's why I do what I do. And, and you know, shortly after it happened, I I, I linked up with uh, Matt, and, and he has just been, he's been instrumental in, in what I do. Um, he's supported me and, and the activism that I've chose. Um He's been a great friend, and, and he's been a, a, just a trooper in, in helping me get the message out. You know, Matt, I've, uh, Congressman Salmon, I, I'm sorry about the familiarity, but I know I've known you for many years. I applaud you for doing this, but this is not a, an isolated incident. This is happening a lot. No, it's not. It's happening a lot. Um, in fact, uh, ICE Director Sarah Saldana, she recently told the House that in uh, 2013 alone that ICE has freed 36,007 criminals and 86,288 between 2013 and 2015. So in the, in the Boston Globe story last week, where they were looking at 323 individuals that had been released by ICE, they found that 30% of them 
came back and, and convicted, uh, excuse me, committed other crimes, many of them violent crimes, some, you know, sexual uh, violations, sexual uh, molestations, uh, and, uh, I mean, horrible crimes. So these crimes are 100% preventable. This is inexcusable. The other thing that adds insult to injury is we'd know more about it, but ICE does all this in secret. They, won't even, uh, they wouldn't even let the Boston Globe know uh, the full scope of all of these criminals that they've let go and, and what kind of uh, reoffenses that they've had. And so uh, it, we can't even... Now, uh, now are, are they making that decision unilaterally, or is that a order coming down? In other words, are they following orders from the Obama administration? In, in my interviews with uh, the friends that I have working for ICE, they've, been, they, they've told me that they've been told from above that this is how you're going to have to do business. Many of the folks at ICE are so frustrated that many of them want to quit. In fact, uh, as they've tried to kind of look at the morale, they've doing these uh, morale uh, exams or tests or studies uh, for the last 20 years. It's at an all-time low. Uh, many of them feel very dejected because these are law enforcement people, and they have families, too, and they're just as sick about this. Really, the buck stops with Obama himself and his administration, DOJ. They're the ones that are uh, sending these horrible uh, regulations down, and countless people like Steve, uh, their families will never be the same. And we remember the situation with Kate in San Francisco. It goes on and on and yeah. on. Here's my my next question, and Steve, you're probably going to be angry at the answer because I expect I'm going to be angry too. How many congressmen have signed on to your bill? How many people are supporting your bill? I think we've only got about forty, fifty people that have signed oh on to the bill, gosh. and I, I, I've I've had the bill now for well uh, a year and a half, and we've been pushing hard. We we can't even get the bill heard. In what about Kate's law? Whatever happened with that bill? I'm Kate. Same thing. I, and Kate's law is also my, my bill, too. Um, and neither one of the bills, in, in fact, uh, we've been pushing very, well, very can, hard. Can I ask a very blunt question? I mean, Paul Ryan is so uh, happy to, to criticize Donald Trump and, and was not the most outspoken person against Barack Obama's radicalism. I stood here alone many days uh, fighting as a, a, a voice in the wilderness and, and being told I was extreme. But, you know, where's Paul Ryan? Where's the leadership here? Where, where, you know, I, I assume you. I, I, I got to tell you, Sean. I couldn't be more profoundly disappointed. I think so many of the incredibly important things that we should be doing here in the People's House uh, should, you know, they're just not being done. They're not even being addressed. Um, they're not getting to the floor. And, and this is this no, is. But one think of about ideas. this. I mean, it's a no-brainer. It should have been done long think ago. Think of this, the. It should be think law. Of, it should be law. But think of the level of criticism that Paul Ryan now, and I guess he'll reassert on Sunday on Face the Nation, but the level of criticism against Donald Trump. But where's the criticism against Obama and his administration doing this again and again? And people like Grant uh, and his family like Steve are suffering and dying because they're not fixing this. Where, where's the passion there? You know, where's your sense of, I, I, you know, I, I'm, having a, I'm having a hard time understanding all of the outrage over words and people are dying and nobody says a thing and nobody jumps on board. This should be a no-brainer for every congressman, Republican and Democrat. Well, Sean, I'm not going to argue with you a bit. In fact, uh, uh, I'm going to repeat exactly what you've said. I hope that every American that listens to the Sean Hannity show calls members of Congress calls the speaker's office and said, what is going on here? Why is something this obvious not even being debated or being made into law? Why, why are you guys paralyzed 
uh, what, why are you sitting on your hands? I, I agree, Sean. This, this should be a hue, hue and cry. There are many, many things that this body should be doing. I think that everybody knows why uh, the, this is the year of the outsider in presidential politics. Well, this is the reason right here. In the mirror, it's because we're not yeah. doing our jobs here in Washington, D.C. Well, you're doing your job. I, you know, the Freedom Caucus guys are doing their job. I assume you're part of it. I'm, I'm just I was guessing. one of the people that started it. I was one of Sorry. the nine founding members. <laughs> Sorry about that. You know, uh, you know Jim Jordan made me, made me an honorary member, thankfully. Well, listen, I don't even know what to say. I really don't. And, you know, Steve, I know you're listening to this. If I was you and I'm trying to put myself, I can't imagine the pain that you live through every day. This is one of those issues I don't think you ever get over or heal from in life. Uh, And then you find out the government, frankly, caused this. You ought to be able to sue the federal government for what they did or allowed to happen here. And even though that wouldn't bring back your son, you certainly is such a level of uh, of uh, just egregious error here that they should oh, be held it, responsible. It, it's, you know, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, I, I actually sought out an attorney so that maybe I could, I could sue ICE or sue the, the government. And, and, you know, there's one word that, that I've actually become to hate, and it's called discretion. Mm-hmm. And, and this, is, this is this blanket that, that ICE officials and the president and his administration get to hide behind. They get to hide behind that word discretion. You know, you have people like Matt and you have people like Jeff Sessions. And, and, you know, Matt's been instrumental. He introduced my brother when my brother testified in front of the the committee. You know, this word discretion is what discretion do you have to release somebody who's convicted of, of a heinous crime so that they can recommit? What discretion is there? There's, there should be no discretion. There should be a no-brainer. You should be able to say, you know, you're done. You're out of here. Once you're done. If, if a guy rapes a woman and holds a woman captive and kidnaps her and imprisons her for a week and, and the word discretion is even brought up, that's, that is about as, as big a no-brainer as there ever would be. There is no need for discretion. You either stay in jail or you're going back to where you came from. But this isn't. Uh, Sean, this isn't—it's not something that's new. This this is something that has been around uh, for a couple of years. Why isn't America out there pouring the outrage out that that eighty some thousand people, criminals uh, from that that are here illegally, have been let out on the streets to commit other crimes? Why why isn't there just a uh, I, I mean a, a people right in the streets about this stuff? I, I honestly can't answer your question. The only thing I can say is uh, thank you, Congressman, for your fight. Thanks to the Freedom Caucus. They're the only people that are trying to get things done in Washington. And every other person in D.C. that hears this story ought to be ashamed of themselves for not signing on to this immediately. Um, and any time I'm going to have any of these guys on, I'm going to ask them why they haven't. So, but you, I but wish they, you, you would, know what? John, and the same thing about, about Kate's Law. This, Kate's Law, too. This, this yeah. stuff should be law by now, and the American people uh, should be rising up with a, a, a loud voice. You know, why aren't you looking out for our interests? Why are you not protecting well, that's why, our, our families? Yeah, and Kate's family is filing a civil suit, I know, and there ought to be a class action. And, and maybe, Steve, you can join with them, and Matt, you can put them together. But uh, thank you for what you're doing, Congressman. Uh, Steve, words don't suffice here, except to please know that 
myself and I know my staff and my audience, our heart goes out to you. This never should have happened in our country. You have been betrayed by by Washington and its failures. And I can't imagine the magnitude of pain you feel every day. Um, Please know you're in my thoughts and prayers. Thank you, sir. The main role I'm going to be playing in this process is uh, to remind the American people that this is a serious job. You know, this is not reality TV. I've seen the decisions that have to be made and the work that has to be done. And I have a lot of confidence that if the American people uh, are reminded of what's at stake and all the incredibly important issues that we got to get right, that they're going to make a good choice. That's, uh, That's what they usually do. I know some of the presidential candidates have been critical of my foreign policy. I don't want to name any names. He's talking about Donald Trump. But I believe it is of the utmost importance to work alongside other world leaders. That's why I signed the Iran nuclear deal. That's why we reopened diplomatic ties with Cuba. And that's why I negotiated the new trade deal called the Trans-Pacific Partnership, or TPP. Now hold on there, Fred Dispenser. Are you saying you're down with TPP? Yeah, you know me. Now, Mr. President, since you're here, I gotta ask, have you been watching all the electoral coverage this week about Donald Trump? No, but I have been watching my new favorite show. Orange is not the new black. All right, that was uh, the president yucking it up on uh, the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon last night, and uh, among other things, I'm saying he's going to get active in the campaign, but if his record becomes Hillary's record, and she has praised what he has done, then, well, okay, then she has to stand by a doubling of the debt. She has to stand by millions more Americans, some 15 million more Americans or fewer Americans in the labor force, uh, she has to stand by one in five American families with nobody having a job and one in six of American young men, 18 to 34, either imprisoned, incarcerated or or not working as well. All the things we talk about every day. How's that going to impact the race? Will he have any impact on the race? Christy Setzer is with us, president of New Heights Communication. Ron Christie, former special assistant to President Bush, also writes for the Daily Beast. Welcome both of you. Hey, Sean. Good to be here. So, Christy, does he have an impact? Does he help Hillary? Sure he does. I mean, the, pre- the president won twice, after all. He's a pretty popular guy. Um, and he also speaks to audiences sometimes that she is still working to win over, like the Bernie supporters. Um, so, yeah, no, I think he's going to be hugely important and helpful to her. You don't think Hillary running on his record or Donald Trump bringing up his abysmal record and her running on it? is going to impact people? You don't think the 95 million Americans out of the labor force feel the uh, impact yeah. of Obama's bad economic I, ch- policies? I think, I think there's substantive... Ar- sorry, Ron. I, I think there's substantive arguments that Donald Trump could make, but he's not making them. Um, I don't think he has the self-discipline to be able to talk about, you know, the critiques that you can make of the economy or that sort of thing. And I, think I don't agree with that. I mean, I think it's going to be a process, and I think he's going to start it Monday by laying out you know, his vision versus Hillary's vision and, of course, her being corrupt and crooked and everything else that she has in terms of baggage. We'll see, right? I mean, again, I mean, this is going to be an election that if it turns on what people think of Donald Trump, then Hillary's going to win in a landslide. 
And if he somehow manages to take the spotlight off of himself and make it about Hillary, then I think then she could be in some trouble. But he hasn't seemed to want to do that or to have the inclination to do that or to really be able to do that. So, What do you think, Ron Christie? Well, Sean, I think you're absolutely right here. If Republicans are smart and if Donald Trump is smart, he is going to use uh, President Obama as an albatross around Secretary Clinton's neck. I mean, for goodness sakes. She presided over Benghazi. She presided over a terrible national security record of this administration to say nothing of the fact that, as you, as you pointed out, you have nearly 94 million people who are out of work, the lowest workforce participation rate in 40 years, and most Americans don't feel that this economic recovery has actually reached them. They feel it's getting worse. And so if Mr. Obama wants to end his term the way he started it, which is going on Ellen, going on Jimmy Fallon, campaigning, rather than doing the business of the American people, I think the American people are going to say, we need an adult in the Oval Office rather than someone who's a showboat, narcissistic individual, such as President Obama. I don't think there are many people that feel that way. I, I don't. I mean, I think it's a minority of people that think that all right, give me, all right, I'll give you a list of I'll give you a list of areas where America is not better off on the economy. And you tell me where we are better off. We have the lowest labor participation rate since the early 70s. We have 15 million fewer people in the workforce. Uh, we have one in five American families without a single person working. We have 13 million more Americans on food stamps. We have another 10 million people on po- in poverty that weren't there before he be- came into office. We've doubled the national debt. Tell me on the economic front, where do give me one measure of success? Because the president said by every measure he's successful. Uh, okay, uh, you know the okay, unemployment is under five percent. It's four point seven or something like that. It's basically full employment. The Dow is up, hovering around eighteen thousand. All right, let's take it one at a time. How can you use an unemployment number that doesn't count the chronically long-term unemployed? Doesn't that isn't that a phony number? Let's be honest. Well, that's I mean, a phony if you think number. it's a phony number, then you thought that it was a phony number for every president before him too. Okay, that's how but the reality is, is, but the reality is, when you have fifteen million fewer people in the labor force because they can't get jobs and the government no longer counts them, that number's phony. That number is not real. That doesn't reflect reality, does it? Uh, I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you're going to have to. You don't know. Um, well, wait a minute. If you have question. fewer people working than before he became president, that's not a good unemployment statistic. The fact that they don't count the chronically. The fa- hang on. The fact that they don't count the chronically unemployed is deceptive. It's dishonest, isn't it? I, I maybe it is. But what I'm saying is, well, that's no, I'm not asking maybe. Is it? Do you think that is? Do you think? Do you think if somebody's out of the labor force six months and they can't get a job and you no longer count them, doesn't that render the unemployment number meaningless and phony? No, it does not make it meaningless no. and phony. It means that you know maybe there's a bit of an asterisk around that because maybe it's actually five percent. Maybe it's actually yeah. even if you're the one out of, the, I'm sure but, if I'm the one out of work, I'm going to be glad to be classified as an asterisk next to the unemployment number that you tell. Well, we have nearly full unemployment. You just said we Ron? do basically have nearly full unemployment. Let's be honest here. You had 460,000 people who gave up looking for work last month. You notice the fact that the numbers for April and for March have again been revised downward. Why? Because we are not adding jobs adequate enough to keep up with the number of people in our workforce. And I think, Christy, sadly enough, I mean, yes, it might look like we have full unemployment at 47 
uh, percent full employment, I should say. But that number is absolutely false because it does not take into account people who have dropped dropped out and stopped looking for work. If you add that in, it's over ten percent. No question about that. No. Hey, George. All right. The second the second thing that you brought up as a measure of success, Christy, was the stock market. Now, do you think the ninety five million Americans? Do you think the fifty million Americans? Ninety five million Americans out of the labor force. The fifty million in poverty and on food stamps. Do you think they give one hoot about where the stock market is? Does that impact the lives of the majority of Americans or just the few rich Americans that Obama seems to hate so much? Republicans like to talk about, you know, the um, business classes in corporate America doing well and how that's an indication of the general overall health of America. Right. No, um, there are millions of Americans who do not participate in all right, let um, me. The they don't. Market, That's right. So it doesn't impact the average person. So let me ask you this: no, There's no, only one pres- the There's person. only one president in American history in their term that has never reached three percent GDP. Do you know who that is? When you know when John McCain was running. Do you know? Office, I'm asking you a question. Do you, what one president has never met, never reached the three percent GDP growth rate? Who is it? I. You know. Look, I, again, you have to look Obama. at these things in terms of where he mm-hmm. was. What was the okay. at? So okay, like it's eight years percent. later. I don't want to hear about what he inherited. There's only one president that has been there. Now, there's only one president that will accumulate more debt than every other president before him combined by the time he leaves office. Who is that? But again, here's the thing. Like, people Obama. think that we are doing well for the most part. And you, okay. have, to look, you have to look well, at where it was. In, in 2008, Barack Obama said the following about the record debt that we had, which at the time was $9 trillion. Now it's $19 trillion. This is what the he way said Bush back has then. Done it over the last eight years is to take out a credit card from the Bank of China in the name of our children, driving up our national debt, so that we now have mm-hmm. over nine trillion dollars tri- of debt. Nineteen that, trillion. That we are going to have yeah. to pay back. That's irresponsible. It's unpatriotic. Do you think the, do, you, do you think he's unpatriotic and irresponsible, Christy? Uh, <laughs> do I think that the president is unpatriotic and irresponsible? No, no, no I do not. But again, you don't think, look, let's, let's by his own definition, these, wait a minute, by yeah. his own definition, would he be? But let's get back to, you know, what we were just talking about. Notice she never answers a question, Ron. She, she doesn't. And, you know, it's amazing that uh, Bush, oh, Bush is terrible for $9 trillion, But, of course, Obama, the, the anointed one, if he puts up $19 trillion, you know, that's excused. You know, things are cool. Everyone's feeling better. Look, Sean, the one thing I'd say, this is why Hillary Clinton is going to have a tough time in the fall. Because she's running for the third term of the Obama administration. She's got that $19 trillion in debt. She's got those high unemployment numbers that people don't feel confident about the direction of the country. And, of course, most Americans don't find her trustworthy, given her emails and Benghazi and everything well, else. Well, 65% think she lied on her emails, and that just came out in a poll this week. All right, Christy, i got a test for you, okay? So okay, Hillary Clinton has been in public life you know, for decades now, right? Correct. I want you to name, now pay very close attention to the question, three specific accomplishments (laughs) that she has made that have made the lives of average Americans better. No cliches, no platitudes, no positions that she, what has she done specifically to make people's lives better? Go. Sure. I mean, from the time that she left law school at Yale, she went to work for the Children's Defense Fund specifically to make the lives of poor children better. Um, then she uh, worked in Watergate um, against that because she thought that maybe our government shouldn't be so corrupt. 
And she, she was fired uh, from the Watergate Committee for her she, untrustworthiness. She worked around, you know, she flew around the globe, setting an example for women and girls across All the right, world. All right, let me stop, 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 stop. Now, you, you're not answering my question. The fact that she worked with poor children, worked on the Watergate Committee, and flew around the world doesn't, doesn't impact the lives of the American people. So I'll ask Absolutely you again. Very, uh, Hang on. I will ask you, name three specific accomplishments that she has to her name that have improved the lives of the average American. Go. Again, <laughs> when you are working for advocacy organizations like the Children's Defense Fund, when you are a U.S. senator, every day you are making decisions and advocating what? for things that stop, you are going stop, to Stop, stop, hang children. on. Specific. Yes. I need specifics. What specifically has she done? Ready? Go. I'm not their public policy director. Look, I don't know what the you know specific things. Okay, how about this? Senator, how about what legislation chips, right? Remember what this is? Chips. That is the you know children's health insurance program, right? It said that poor children should be able to get health insurance. She's actually been fighting for health insurance for decades. Um, so the fact that we now have like what 15 million more people on health care. All right, stop. What is the average increase in health care been under the Obama years? What have health insurance premiums gone up on average? Do you know? I do not know. Do you know? He and he I do know. Did he, and did, did he not did he not promise? Did he not promise you'd keep your doctor, keep your plan and save on average $2500 per family per year? He did. Right. And what was the exception to that? The exception the, was if you had a plan that was so crappy. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that line. We should eliminate them. Oh, I don't remember that. Come on. But the average the average insurance premium has gone up over 50% in just the last year alone. And you look at the largest insurers across the United States, they're dumping Obamacare coverage because, of course, they're losing billions and billions of dollars for people who don't have these items that they need. Like, why should I, why should I have to pay for a mammogram? I mean, last time I checked, I don't think I need one. But this this is just government overreach. Dodd Frank is also crippling the the ability why for small business. Why am I laughing at that? Why did you come up with that analogy? Good grief, <laughs> uh, Sean! I'll tell you where I pulled it from. But we're on polite radio here. Oh my but, god! But, well, do you notice though, Ron, that she can't answer the question, and nobody can? No, nobody can, and that's why Hillary's in trouble. I mean, for goodness sakes, for being a United States senator, you'd think that she would have found a way to work across the aisle to pass legislation to get it signed. She didn't. You'd think as the chief diplomat of the United States, that her Russian reset has been a failure. She has nothing to point to by way of accomplishments as being Secretary of State, other than the tragic deaths of four Americans and the, law, the first ambassador we've lost since 1979. So if Hillary wants to I'm run her to record, I welcome with either of you about Hillary's record and the ways the American people view it, particularly in contrast to Donald Trump's record, which, what has he done? I don't well, know. Let me, so, well, I can, I can give you one quick answer. Let's look yeah. at every single building project he's ever had. Look at all the thousands of people whose jobs were dependent on those projects. That means carpenters and builders and contractors and electricians and plumbers and tile layers and That's marble right. layers and all the people that maintain those buildings. That. Those are actually real good jobs that I have met many of the people that worked on those projects, and they were ecstatic that they had years worth of work because Donald Trump was a good investor and used union labor and put them to work. So impacting people's lives regularly with every job he creates. Thousands of jobs that he's created. Thousands. Yeah, he's talking about ever... how Donald Trump didn't often pay his workers for the jobs well done, oh, even if he grief. hires them again and again for projects. So <laughs> right. I think Ron, you get the last story. word. Go ahead. Oh, look, this, this is going to be an election about contrast, and I think you and I, we've all traveled around the country, and the American people are ticked off that the people in Washington aren't listening to them. They don't hear them. And I think Donald Trump would be a breath of fresh air than the stale 
crooked Hillary that she has no record of accomplishment to run on other than her ambition of wanting to be president. Thank you both for being with us. Happy Friday. John is in New York City, our home base, the home of the all-new AM710 WOR, the talk of New York and New Jersey. How are you? Hey, Sean. How you doing? I'm good, sir. What's happening? Uh, nothing. I just wanted to comment. Uh, yesterday on your radio show, you had uh, the gentleman whose son was chased uh, in San Jose, California, out of the Trump rally. Yeah. And, uh, there was a comment made, something along the lines of, uh, Father, the police were told to stand down. Now, I'm a, a New York City police officer. I can 100% prove that comment true. Uh, it happens all the time in these leftist, democratic types of uh, cities. And it happened in New York during the, uh, the Black Lives Matter protests. We were pretty much told, give them all mm-hmm. what they want, let them do what they want to do. And just stand down, pretty much. And it's actually quite disgusting. Yeah, but look, and that was where my instincts went, because I know too many cops. I know too many people on the job in New York. I know too many people that work in Nassau County as police officers. The last thing any cop ever wants to do if somebody is in trouble is not go help. That's not why they became police officers. And what I have found, you know, and and discovered after Baltimore, after other instances, high-profile cases— you see that the officers are specifically told, do nothing, let them let them do what they're doing. Baltimore is the greatest case in point. And, you know, police saw what was going on. This guy, Craig, Craig Parson, his son, was literally running to save his life from a mob, and nobody did anything to help him. Now, they knew what was going yeah. on there. I mean, that's why no, I told him, if I was him, I'd sue the city. Yeah, and he 100% should. And, you know, like you said, you know, you're kind of told, you know, they don't tell you, per se, to stand down, but it's like, oh, use extreme discretion, or if they do this, we're going to let them do that. And you have to sit back and just kind of grit your teeth and let them do whatever they want. They can say whatever they want to you, because the Democratic cities, they all seem to care more about these left-wing agitators than they do about the people that we're supposed to protect. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm glad you called and told us that, and thanks for the job you do every day. We appreciate it. Uh, 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of the program. Janet, Florida, next. Hey, Janet, how are you? Glad you called. Hey, how are you, Sean? I'm good. How are you? Good. I just wanted to let you know that I was listening yesterday when you were talking about Obama phones, and I wanted to tell you that I was unemployed for 14 months after being laid off, received four months of unemployment and an Obama phone, but they didn't ask me if I had a cell phone or a home phone, and so I returned it when I got employed, and I kept getting a card every month saying, make one call, and then I kept telling them, I'd call them and say, I've canceled it. I've returned the phone. They didn't want it back. I also received food stamps, and during that time, um, canceled those in January and received those for two extra months. Government waste. Uh, You know, it's amazing. Do you remember the movie Cinderella Man? It's a story about a a boxer in in the Great Depression. And, I mean, these were my parents grew up in the Depression, and they told me desperate, desperate times. And if you've ever seen the videos, I mean, these are people that wanted to work, couldn't work, no jobs available. I mean, it was just brutal and horrendous for a lot of people. Anyway, there's a scene in the movie where, you know, he, things go belly up for this poor guy. He's, his kids are going to have to be taken away from him. He goes begging to the people that used to make money off of him as a boxer. And literally, the bunch of cheap idiots would barely give him enough money to get his heat and his lights on. And uh, anyway, he gets the money, went on welfare. And then when he, when he successfully won the title, he gave the money back. It's based on a true story. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible story. And, you know, and people didn't understand. And that's why so many people had so much hope in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I guess people don't return their Obama funds. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, listen, I don't mind that we're we are a great people in a great country. 
I don't mind that in a time that you felt that you in a time of of need for you that we're there for you. I like the idea that we have a safety net as society. The problem is the safety net has to encourage people to get back out on their own the way you did it. You know, I, I listen, I I've, I've tried to help people a lot and in get, getting jobs now, it's harder than it's ever been, especially in the business I work in. But I still help people as often as I can, whenever I can, wherever I can. I know people that have lost jobs that have mortgages and, and car payments and kids in college or kids going to college. It's, it's a horrible position to be in in life. By the way, the guy's name is James Braddock. That's who the movie was about. It escaped me for a second. James Braddock. It's a true story. If you've never seen Cinderella, man, it's a great movie to watch again and again and again. And you learn a lot about people. This guy was incredible. All right, let's get back to our busy telephones. Uh, Sharon is next in Temecula, California. Hey, Sharon, how are you? I wish I was out there eating an In-N-Out burger with you. Oh, great. I'm just doing great. Yep, maybe have some wine out here as well because we, that's what um, Okay, Sean, I've, I've been trying to get on with you for quite some time. And I think I have an idea that's not going to go over well with probably you or your listeners, but bear with me. Give it some thought, some real thought for me, okay? My, my position is that uh, Trump is not winning with Hispanics, okay? I, I know he says it all the time that he is and whatnot. Remember, I'm in California. I'm also um, the granddaughter of, of uh, grandparents who came out to California in the 1920s built a business, and we're continuing on with that business. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of from both sides. Um, of course, I was born here. Um, I think that Trump should consider revisiting Reagan's 1986 Amnesty Act. Reagan uh, regretted that bill. As part of, as part of well, that, I one of the... He did. I understand he did, but I think that they that it was not implemented All right. the, you're, the you're, right you're basically saying that we should uh, reward law-breaking as a means of getting votes. I don't think, you know what, if that's what it takes, you're basically saying sell your soul, give up your principles so that you can get elected. And that's what we have in Washington now. We have hundreds of those people but, there. And, and But you're missing the point. The, the point is this. We don't mind people where you come from. You know, just you want to be a part of our American family. I don't care where you come from. But be a part of our American family and res- have enough respect for your new home to respect our laws and sovereignty and do it the right way. And I'm all in favor of expediting the process and allowing allowing people to be vetted more quickly, more expeditiously. I would also like to see a, a, a process whereby, you know, families can be reunited, et cetera. But that doesn't that's you know, the idea of building a wall is just something that makes a lot of sense. As a matter of fact, you know who used to support the idea of building a wall 10 years ago? Hillary Clinton. Well, now she is a great political panderer. And now she doesn't want support the wall. Oh, I want to build bridges, not walls. Well, that's not what she said back in 2006 when she said the Mexican government's policies are pushing migration north. She gave a speech to the Council on Foreign Relations. She did it in 2006. Mexico is such an important uh, problem. Mexican government's policies are pushing migration north. There isn't any uh, sensible approach except to do what we need to do simultaneously, you know, secure our borders with technology, personnel, uh, physical barriers if necessary in some places, and we need to have tougher employer sanctions, and we need to try to incentivize Mexico to do more. If they've committed transgressions of whatever kind, they should be obviously deported. 
Oh, excuse me. Obviously, they should be deported. We should build physical barriers if necessary. You know, so who's the real panderer in chief here? Hillary will say anything to get elected. Now, there is some good news in terms of a poll that came out this week. Trump has a 10 percent advantage over what Mitt Romney had with the Latino vote at 37 percent. I'd like to see that number go higher. The high water mark for Republicans with the Hispanic community is 44 percent for George W. Bush in 2004. I think that would be a great opportunity. I think if you look at who has been disproportionately impacted negatively by the policies of Barack Obama, liberalism, statism, socialism, well, it's minorities, it's black Americans, it's Hispanic Americans. And illegal immigrants are taking jobs away from the 95 million Americans out of the labor force. And in the process, they're driving down wages. And in the process, it it makes it easier for America's enemies to cross in as well. So it's a big problem. Anyway, uh, back to our phones. Pat is in Houston, Texas. KTRH, what's going on, Pat? How are you? We're glad you called. Thank you, Sean. I just want to thank you for your deep allegiance to the United States. I, I feel like you go to battle for us each and every day. And my husband is a World War II vet, and he really feels like that this election is America's very last chance. I mean, it's it's now or never. And we remember eight years ago, you tried so hard to warn Americans about Obama and his plan to transform our country. But despite your efforts, people wouldn't listen to you. And now we're witnessing the unraveling of our freedoms and our culture. And the lady from California was talking about illegal immigration. I think the Democrat Party's committed to finally achieving the dream started by Teddy Kennedy, which is going to be the demise of our two-party system. That's really what illegal immigration is is about. You know, them. I mean, that's why Republicans are so far behind the curve. I mean, I know that Republicans want illegal immigration to pander to their to their business buddies and they want cheap labor, but they're putting Americans out of work. You know, America first is actually an idea that resonates now. And secondly, I would argue that the Democrats have a far more sinister plan in place, and it's more long term in its thinking and more strategic. And that is they want a voting demographic that will keep them in power for decades and generations to come. That's why they want to legalize all of those that did not respect our laws and sovereignty. It's that big an issue. You know, but the thing that really angers me, maybe like your father, is to watch establishment Republicans challenge and speak more harshly of Donald Trump than they ever dared do to Barack Obama as they allowed his agenda to come to fruition because they were too timid and weak and spineless to fight it. That is the biggest disappointment. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10 year, 100,000 mile limited warranty, you stop thinking. Thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. 
One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man, who was called Mal Evans, who was on roadie, and uh, <clears throat> I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Sergeant Pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.